just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. We've got kind of a shitty day as far as weather goes in the state today. The high is going to be 7 degrees. But guess what? Tomorrow, Friday, it's going to be up around 40. That's how it goes in Minnesota. One day you've got single digits or sub-zero temperatures. Next day it's 40 degrees. Now when we get 40 degrees this time of year in Minnesota, you see a lot of crazy Minnesotans walking around without coats and in short sleeves. So it should be entertaining on Friday. Then it's going to get back to 15. Then it's going back to 40. This is kind of a weird time with weather in Minnesota. January, February, probably the coldest months here. March, it starts to warm up. But March is often our heaviest snow month. It's warmer, it's nicer, but more snow. It isn't until April when things start to get a little bit better, but mostly it's wet because it's spring and we've got all the snow and rain and shit coming. It isn't until May or so that uh, we can finally get comfortable. <laughs> and then it only lasts till October. So we don't get a lot of uh, warm weather, nice weather here as compared to some other places. But you take what you can get. You get out as much as you can during the winter months to get out of the cold and at least thaw up. Now, we've got a lot of things to talk about. As I've said, there's going to be a lot of things coming out every day between now and the midterms in November. That's exactly what's happening. But before we get to some of those news stories, I have an email. As I've said before, if you have questions, comments, complaints, you can email me directly at rationalboomer at gmail.com or go to anchor.fm, look for the Rational Boomer podcast, and uh, send me a voicemail. I love hearing from you. As I've said before, what you have to say, what you think, your insights are important to the program. So don't hesitate. Let me know what's on your mind. This one comes from a lady by the name of Denise. She says, Mike, my understanding is that I could be arrested for yelling fire in a crowded theater when there isn't one because I could cause unnecessary bodily harm. People could be trampled, for example. Am I right? Yeah, I guess you're right. Whether they would actually arrest you, I don't know. But theoretically, you could. If so, then why don't the lies about the election and the pandemic from the uh, GQP and the right-wing media trigger arrest? Live generously, Denise. Well, that's a good question. I mean, if you yell fire in a theater, people are going to go rushing out and potentially people are going to get hurt. Uh, And as far as the election that doesn't cause immediate damage to people. But then when you look at what happened with the insurrection and all the incitement going on there, I think that's a good analogy. I think that's a good comparison. They speak words, things happen, and people get hurt. There should be some responsibility there. And I think with the insurrection, they're getting closer to that. We know that people on the ground, the people that went into the Capitol, are starting Uh, to be prosecuted. Some are going to jail, some are not, depending on what their crime was. They usually start out with the lower-level things that don't necessarily require jail terms. But as we've seen, as it's gotten higher, and now as they're getting to charges that involve sedition, we're getting four- and five-year sentences. So in a sense, it is happening, but I get what you're saying. There's a lot of lying from the Republican Party, the Trumplican party, Donald Trump himself. And there should be some accountability for it. You know, I talk to a lot of people and they say, we've been waiting five years and nothing's happened to Donald Trump. Well, you actually haven't been waiting five years. You have to understand during the time he was president, he had a certain amount of immunity. Even though they say he didn't, he did. Nobody would touch them. And even if they did want to touch them, the Republicans were in control in the Senate and nothing was going to happen. So in real terms, the investigations and going after Donald Trump didn't start till January 20th 
when Joe Biden got into office. It hasn't been four or five years. It's been about a year that they've been going after him. And that's not unusual when you're dealing with um, the legal law enforcement organizations. It takes some time to build cases, especially when you're trying to build a case against a former president of the United States. But as you'll hear when we talk in this show, everything's getting a little bit closer to Donald Trump, and it's not looking very well for Donald Trump at this point. So let's get down to some of the news at hand. Um, We have started to get some kind of uh, information about the airlines. Now, this is particularly upsetting to me. My wife works part-time with an airlines and customer service. She's doing that to get the perks of the flights and such. She doesn't need to work, and I keep telling her that. You don't need to work, but she's one of these people that can't sit still. So if she can't sit still and she can get us some flight perks, what the hell? If that makes her happy, I will back her all the way. So now... We're having a lot of problems in the airports and on the airplanes. I know from talking to my wife, she sees a lot of people coming in, being very argumentative, maybe even being aggressive because they don't like the mask mandate, which is ridiculous because these mask mandates have been going for two years in airports. This shouldn't surprise anybody, but apparently some of these people feel like they they will be surprised that they actually have to put on a mask. And these people have to be pressured to put in their masks. Here's the thing you need to know about customer service people in airports. They have a lot of power. If they ask you to do something and you don't, they can call the TSA. But more importantly, if you're too argumentative, they can just take you off the flight. You're done. You're gone. You're not even getting on the flight. In fact, a lot of people... Uh, count on the customer service to weed these people out prior to getting onto the flight because we're seeing an immense amount of problems on flight, people being unruly, being violent. There are some 6,000 incidents on airplanes in 2021. To date this year, in 2022, starting on January 1st, there is over 500 unruly passenger situations. Now, many have been referred to the DOJ. They're starting to do that now. This is a crime, and the DOJ has to deal with it. So they are referring them for criminal offenses. Now, the FAA is asking for no-fly list. Actually, it started with uh, Delta Airlines. What they're suggesting, uh, that there be no-fly lists for people that were unruly on uh, airplanes or, uh, or in, in, in the uh, airport itself. Now, there are a lot of planes that are going through situations where you have somebody that's unruly on board, and then they have to divert. Now, they've cost the airline a lot of money. They've delayed a lot of people from getting to their destination because they have to deal with one person who is out of control. Now, 70% of the time, this is all about the mask mandate. And as I said before, this has been going on two years with airports and airlines. This isn't a surprise to anybody. That's just the way it is. You can yell and scream at somebody at the desk. You can yell and scream at the flight attendants, at the pilot for that matter. They don't have the control to decide whether or not you get to wear a mask. If you get on an airplane, you wear a mask. If you go into an airport, you wear a mask. Now, I'll be the first one to say I don't like doing it, but I'm not going to argue about it. That's the mandate. That's the law, and that's what I'm going to do. But there's a lot of people that want to fight against this. They keep hearing all this bullshit coming out of the Republicans. Oh, it's against my constitutional right. No, it's not, you dumb fuck, and you should know better if you know anything about the Constitution. So... With these increases in unruly and violent, and I mean violent, I've seen videos of passengers literally punching flight attendants, having to be dragged off the airplane, and all the while it's delaying everybody else. This is a pretty serious thing. I mean, the last thing 
you you want to have happen is somebody getting out of control while you're in the air. In fact, there was one person that was so out of control in the air, they tried to go to the door and open up the door while it was in the air. What the fuck are these people thinking? You're not only going to kill yourself, you're going to kill a lot of people on the plane. You don't open up a door when you're going, what, 700 miles an hour at 30,000 feet? What the fuck is wrong with some of these people? Are they stupid? And frankly, I think that is the case. They are stupid. Since the emergence of Donald Trump as president, everybody's got more adversarial. They're willing to fight. They listen to conspiracy theories, and for whatever reason, they believe them, so they think they're patriots for fighting back against the man. Well, airlines, airports, can choose just not to do business with you. Like I said, they can take you off a flight in an instant. You've seen the videos. You know the rules. Why would you continue to try to fuck around? I don't know. So it started with Delta, and what Delta wants to do is have uh, the Department of Justice create a no-fly list. They already have a no-fly list for suspected terrorists, but they want another no-fly list because uh, uh, they want to avoid getting these people back on planes and uh, doing the same thing. Now, some people will say, well, the airline can ban them, and that's true. But if it's only an airline banning them, then they just move down to the next airline. You know, if you're on Delta and you get kicked off of Delta, but now you're going to American, shouldn't American know about your past and your transgressions when you were on a Delta flight? Shouldn't that be known? I mean, Jesus Christ, you go to Vegas and you cheat in one casino, every casino knows you don't get to gamble. And hopefully this is a deterrent. I mean, the last thing we want to have happen is any kind of violence on a plane when it's in the air, but in the airport, too. Since 9-11, everything's pretty touchy with security in airports and airplanes, and this kind of activity suggests terrorism. Now, it may not be terrorism, but they're ready for any possible situation. And you get somebody getting out of hand, and they don't know exactly what's going on, you might get some pretty harsh reactions. The TSA isn't playing around. I remember I was going on a flight with my wife, and I joke around and kid around. I saw a TSA agent, seemed like a nice lady, and she made a comment to me, and I made a, hopefully a witty comment to her, and she just looked at me like I stole her last donut. She was not happy with me. I said, hey, I'm sorry. I'm just going to keep going, and she nodded me through. So these people aren't here to play around. This is serious business. This is dangerous. Having people that can't control their emotions on a flight. Just people need to understand that airlines, customer service people, won't think twice about taking you off the flight in an instant. They might get you a refund. Maybe they don't because it's your fault. But you will be taken off a flight. The key is you want to have avo- avoid having these crazy fucks go from one airline to the next airline to the next airline and continue to do these sorts of things. Because it ha- as it happens more, it has the potential for getting even more violent and more dangerous. I really don't know what's in these people's minds. They believe all this shit they see on Fox saying nobody can make you wear a mask. Well, yes, they can. Individual companies can, the mandate can, airlines and airports can. Whether you like it or not, or whether you believe it's against your constitutional right, too fucking bad. That's the way it is. You either comply or you get the fuck out. And we're getting a lot of problems on the airlines. Like I said, since January of this year, there's been 500 situations with unruly passengers. That's just unacceptable. We're talking about adults. I've been flying on planes all my life. I've literally flown on 100 planes, and I've never seen a situation where somebody has gotten unruly because they don't want to follow some law. 
You don't want to wear a mask. Okay, what about before masks? I don't want to wear the seatbelt. Well, bitch, you have no choice. You got to wear the fucking seatbelt when you're on the plane. Nobody seems to cry and whine about that. But as soon as we get to the face mask, they're all upset. This is something we need to contend with because it's too dangerous. I take flights, you take flights. We don't need this kind of thing happening on our airlines when we're trying to get to whatever destination we're getting to. So the idea Delta had, and hopefully the FAA is backing them up, and hopefully the DOJ will consider it, having uh, no flight list for people that tend to get unruly on flights, I think is a wise choice. It's an important choice, and it's the only choice we can make if we, can, if we want to keep people safe and our airplanes and airports safe and normal and instead of having this these outrageous outbreaks from fucking idiots all right got a little uh catch in my throat so if i clear my throat from time to time don't worry about it i'm fine i don't have covid i don't even have a cold i'm just old and shit like that happens so i'll drink a little water from time to time It won't sound quite as smooth as if I was on radio, but that's what podcasts are all about. Okay, now another thing we're hearing about, and this kind of goes back to um, Mark Meadows. Remember when Mark Meadows turned over a bunch of documents and then said, hey, I'm not going to talk. Made no sense at all. But we're seeing more and more of these texts come out. Again, it goes to what I said before. The House Select Committee is slowly going to leak things out to set the tone for what's going on, but whatever they leak out won't be the worst shit that we're going to hear. Ultimately, we'll hear much worse things. But we're getting a sense about what was going on around the White House on January 6th. We're seeing a lot of uh, text messages Uh, We're now hearing about text messages that were sent between the day after the election through January 6th. It shows a direct pipeline between Fox News and the White House. I mean, literally, it sounds like uh, Sean Hannity was an advisor to the president. I mean, this fucking idiot isn't even a newsman. A lot of people watch him, get their news from him. But we know Fox News is an entertainment entity. We know that... Sean Hannity isn't a newsman because when he's been sued, he said, ah, I'm just an entertainer. Nobody should believe what I say. The unfortunate thing is there are many people that believe what he says, and it's absolutely ridiculous. One of those happens to be Donald Trump, and Donald Trump is dumb enough to think that Sean Hannity would be a good advisor. Now, In these text messages, it shows Rick Perry. You know him. He was an energy director under Donald Trump and Congress and all kinds of shit. He's a a fucking idiot, too. He's a Trump humper. It shows Rick Perry texted suggestions of fake electors and Pence overturning the elections to Mark Meadows. So this guy was already outlining a plan, a strategy to overturn the election even before they got to that point. So um, Rick Perry needs to be looked at. Uh, The fact of the matter is there's lots of incoming text and outgoing text, and we're seeing a lot of it. Some of it's being released to us. And as I said, what you can expect is what we're seeing is nowhere near as bad as what they're holding back. When all of that gets released, it'll be pretty apparent what was going on. Donald Trump had a plan. His administration had a plan. And they tied together a lot of things. The insurrection was just part of it. The whole fake electors thing was a big part of it. And obviously Rick Perry and some other folks were behind that. We know Rudy Giuliani was. And then, of course, uh, uh, we're looking at Donald Trump's attempt to coerce secretaries of state. That was part of the uh, whole process. This was a much bigger, more insidious plan than I think we ever knew. And these texts will lay out some of that information. We're getting some good information now, but as I say, we are going to end up getting a lot worse information as time goes by. You see, I have to understand what the House Select Committee is doing. 
They're kind of setting things up. They're kind of measure, measuring the Republicans. You know how like a boxer does that? Goes out, puts his hand out, touches his nose to get a sh- idea of measurement, and then comes with the other hand and hits him? That's kind of like what the House Select Committee is doing. They're putting things out slowly for it to sink in and to set a tone in this country uh, as to what the Republicans truly did and who they truly are. They're doing a good job of it. But ultimately, all this stuff will come out. It will come out, and uh, people will be aghast by it. And it will be so obvious and so blatant that nobody will be able to question it. Well, except for the 30% that followed Donald Trump, no matter what the fuck he does. But Donald Trump is going down here, and uh, that is going to be a problem. It's going to be hard for these people to back Donald Trump when he's indicted and going to jail. People always ask me, do you really think Donald Trump will be indicted? Well, after the last couple of days, definitely, definitely, I believe that uh, he will be indicted. And I'll tell you more about that uh, probably in the next segment. We'll talk about some of the things that are happening with his company, with his finances, with his taxes. That's some pretty scary shit for Donald Trump. So we've got something to talk about there. The other thing I wanted to talk about are the rumors that uh, Russia would invade the Ukraine. Now, the rumor was they were supposed to do that yesterday. That was going to happen yesterday. Now, I've told you all along, in my mind, I don't believe that Russia will ever invade Ukraine, at least in this scenario. There is far too much to lose for Russia. It would absolutely crush the uh, Russian economy. Some of the sanctions would be against the three biggest banks in Russia. Now, what that means is that everything would be frozen, probably. So all the people that live in Russia that look to Vladimir Putin for leadership, all their money would be closed up, frozen up. You don't think that's going to cause problems in in, uh, the country of Russia? Oh, yeah. That gas line that they have planned to go to Germany, that'll be shut down completely. Joe Biden with sanctions and the other European countries could go after the oligarchs and Vladimir Putin personally. These oligarchs are hiding some of Vladimir Putin's money. And keep in mind, Vladimir Putin is a a billionaire. Some of that money is in different locations around the world, in America, in European countries. Now, if they put sanctions on the oligarchs and, and Vladimir Putin... Their shit is going to go away. Their money is going to be frozen and unavailable to them. Knowing all that shit, do you honestly believe that Vladimir Putin had any intention of all of going into the Ukraine? I don't think so. He knew better than that. But I tell you this, Putin is surprised. Putin's used to being the bully, showing strength and having people fold up and walk away. And then he rolls over the top of them. It's not happening this time around. What's happening is uh, Joe Biden standing up to him, kind of taunting him. Go ahead, do something. We'll fuck up your country. And Vladimir Putin knows better than that. He's not going to do that. But the European countries are doing the same thing. Usually his bully tactics work, but not this time. So I'm guessing that Vladimir Putin is pretty confused And he feels like he's caught because he doesn't know what to do. Now, it was reported that he was pulling people out of the Ukraine area of the uh, border. That's what he said. That's what they said. But all they can find is that maybe 7,000 more troops were sent in. Now, no big surprise that Vladimir Putin might be lying to us. His whole fucking life is lying to other people, trying to manip- manipulate other people. Generally, he doesn't have as much luck with that other than dealing with Donald Trump. Donald Trump is so easily manipulated, and, and Vladimir Putin is so good at it. He ran over Donald Trump, backed up, ran over him again, and backed up and ran over him again. 
And guess what? Donald Trump didn't even realize it happened. He thinks Putin's a nice guy. Well, I'm sorry to tell you, he's not a nice guy. He's not a nice guy at all. He'll act like a nice guy to Donald Trump because he knows that works. But then he's going to steal your watch, your wallet, and your underwear, which he probably wouldn't want to do in the case with Donald Trump because it's not underwear at all. It depends, and God knows what that fucking looks like. So, Vlad, you maybe want to avoid that. So this is all in turmoil on the Ukraine border. Vladimir Putin playing around, playing games, trying to be the bully. It ain't working. Somehow, someway, Vladimir Putin is going to have to pull out of that area. He's going to have to go out because people are going to start to get uh, impatient. And that might cause some of these sanctions to drop. And he doesn't want to deal with any of these sanctions because they'd be too dangerous to his country, too dangerous to his own finances. So he doesn't want that. He's surprised that people are standing up to him. And now he's got all these troops, but nowhere to go because he isn't going into the Ukraine. So it's going to be interesting to see how they work all this out. As I understand it, um, Vladimir Putin is going back to the citizens of Russia basically acting like he's already won. Sound familiar? Sounds like Donald Trump. The only difference between Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin is Vladimir Putin is way smarter than Donald Trump and more effective in what he's doing. But you can bet Vladimir Putin's going to try to make it look like he won, that he got what he wanted, even though he won't. He won't get what he wants here. This is going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I honestly don't see any way that Russia is going to invade Ukraine. Now, what upsets me more than anything is watching the media. They keep talking like it's a foregone conclusion because they like the chaos. They like people being scared and upset. It makes them money by drawing in more viewers. But that's what they do when you watch them on television. But it doesn't stop at the media. It's, it's with our government, too, with the Trump, or not, not the Trump, but the Biden administration. They're telling us, oh, it could happen tomorrow. It could happen tomorrow. Why are they doing this? Are they trying to pressure Putin by making it look like he's actually going to do this when they know and he knows he isn't going to do it? I don't know what the strategy is for sure. I have a feeling it's to put pressure on Vladimir Putin, but I'm a little upset by the media and uh, the Biden administration doing everything they can to work up the people in this country, being concerned about another war and potentially a third world war because we're talking about fucking Russia. That's not your job, media. Your job is to give the information. And if you look at the information as opposed to listening to the bullshit that the media tells you, you'll get what I'm saying. There's too much to lose for Vladimir Putin to go into the Ukraine. And Vladimir Putin's not emotional, and he's not stupid, and he's not crazy. Now, Donald Trump might be a different story had he been in the same position. He's all about doubling down even if he's wrong, and then he'll triple down, quadruple down, and all that shit. But that's not Vladimir Putin. He's been pretty successful at being a criminal and a monster as far as killing people. And he's stuck in the job for about 20 years. He is a much smarter man than Donald Trump. And he's smart enough to know that if he fucks up here, it's going to cost him dearly. So I don't expect them to go into Ukraine. But I'll be interested to see how he figures out a way to pull out and get things back to normal. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. So I was watching CNN recently, and uh, there was a gentleman that was being interviewed. His name is David K. Johnston. He is an investigative reporter, 
and author specializing in economics and taxes. He also won a Pulitzer Prize in 2001. He's on CNN a lot. I think he's a contributor, a paid contributor. But he's a fairly respectable guy. He's an intelligent guy. He's written some books. He does a lot of investigating. He knows Donald Trump. And he believes that Donald Trump will be charged with racketeering sometime soon. He said with the counting agency or or firm abandoning Donald Trump and saying that 10 years of tax returns and financial records are unreliable, that this is tantamount to Mazars flipping on Donald Trump. And this is exactly what would happen when they're headed toward racketeering charges. What's basically happening here, Donald Trump and Mazars, the accounting firm, a big accounting firm, Donald Trump, a big account. You don't see accounting firms fire their customers. It doesn't happen. Why would it happen? But the sense is that they've been talking to uh, the Manhattan District of New York, and they've gotten nervous. You see, the problem with Donald Trump, he tells Mazars incorrect information. He lies. We know he's been known to overvalue his properties and then undervalue his properties. He values them in any way that is beneficial to him, to pay less taxes or to get more money in loans. That's highly illegal. Now, Mazars has been doing the tax returns and the financial documents for 20 years or so. And now they're saying the last 10 years are unreliable. These are documents and tax returns that they made out for Donald Trump. Now, what they're suggesting is that Donald Trump gave them bad information, so now they can't stand behind it. But what's happening here is not just that Mazar. The uh, accounting firm is bailing on Donald Trump. It's a little deeper than that. You see, Mazar is in trouble, too. They have some responsibility and some culpability in any crimes with Donald Trump's taxes or his financial records. They will say they didn't know anything about it, that Donald Trump lied to them. But that's not going to fly they are going to be responsible. They sign these documents. They have accountability for these things. And there will be some punishments, maybe some prosecutions over this. Probably they will make some scapegoat and let that person get crucified to save the company. But make no mistake, Mazar is in trouble. So what they've decided to do, instead of trying to protect Donald Trump, They thought the only option was to protect themselves. So this is why they're taking the action they are. They're firing Donald Trump as a client and disavowing the last 10 years of financial documents and tax returns. That's not going to get them out from underneath, but they feel being separated from Donald Trump is probably the best. What's happening here is Mazar is flipping on Donald Trump. So the more information they get, they'll probably get a better deal in terms of punishment. So this was the only choice they had, and that's what they're doing. It sounds like they've given reams and reams and reams and reams of Donald Trump's financial documents and taxes. They've turned them over. They've agreed to be deposed And they probably agreed to testify against Donald Trump. And this is very bad news for Donald Trump. There's almost no way out of this one. You can try to divert or blame Hillary or whatever the fuck you want, but Donald's not going to get out of this one when your own accountant is going to testify against you. You've got some severe problems. Now, he's got some other financial problems, too. This guy is heavily in debt. None of his companies are making money. The only money he's getting, he's grifting from the Trumplifucks, and that's not going to last forever. He can only go 
to the well so many times, offer nothing, and expect money from his supporters. These aren't probably the richest supporters. And some of the richer supporters that he's had are seeing what's going on, and they know that if there's any kind of um, exposure as far as them supporting Donald Trump, it's going to hit them hard with their own publicity, and they don't want to fuck around with that. Donald Trump has about $300 million outstanding that's going to come due within the next year. Probably another $700 million that's going to come due in the next couple of years, maybe a few years. So he's going to have to pay that all back. But the problem is, is when you're in a situation like you are now, meaning Donald Trump, your company is under indictment. Your accounting company, accounting firm, has abandoned you and said that 10 years of your tax returns and financial documents aren't necessarily accurate or true. That's a big problem. I mean, he had a tax return due yesterday, and he didn't make that one. So now you get the IRS mad at you. But what he really needs to do is hire another accountant, but nobody's going to sign on with Donald Trump with all the shit around him and the fact that Mazar abandoned him. If Mazar, a big company, doesn't want to deal with Donald Trump, what accounting firm will want to deal with Donald Trump? Well, fucking nobody. Nobody. And when you're in this situation, you can't, um, nobody's going to loan you money. Now, the only bank in the world that was loaning money to Donald Trump anyway was Deutsche Bank. And um, Deutsche Bank has a lot of problems in their own right. They're under investigation for money laundering, fraud of all kinds, most of it tied to Donald Trump accounts. Donald Trump did get loans from Deutsche Bank, but the common common thought is is that Deutsche Bank didn't put up their own money. They were just managing the money, and presumably the money came from Russia, hence Donald Trump's connection to Russia, and there's going to be a problem there. What happens if you don't pay Russia back? Oh, I think there's going to be some issues, because they're not quite as pleasant pleasant as, say, Wells Fargo. The Russians aren't going to take this well. So he can't get loans from Deutsche Bank. And here's the other thing. When you have a businessman and a business in as much trouble as he is right now, these people that have loaned him money can literally call back those loans right now, today. And don't be surprised if it happens in the next week or so. These people are looking at investments in the Donald Trump that are going to go down the shitter. He may end up in jail, and they will never get their money back. So they're going to want to get their money back. Since Donald Trump probably doesn't have the cash to pay it, well, then they'll repossess a lot of his uh, property, his buildings, uh, in New York, in D.C., wherever they are. Expect to see these folks call in these um, call in these loans, and start taking property. That would have been the only way that Donald Trump could maybe generate some money is to sell his businesses. Unfortunately, all his businesses are losing money. So the value of those businesses is limited at best and isn't going to get him anywhere near the money he needs to pay off these loans. This is going to be a big mess. These uh, people that loaned him money are very nervous right now because they're almost sure they're not going to get their money back. So they got to do something. So the likelihood of them calling in the loans and start repossessing property, pretty high. And that would be a little embarrassing for Mr. Billionaire, wouldn't it? But expect to see that happen. That's very likely. It's going to get kind of ugly out there for Donald Trump. It's bad today, but it's going to be worse tomorrow and even worse the next day, and even worse the next next day. Nothing's going to go well for Donald Trump between now and 2024, or particularly between now and November of 2022. The heat is on, the info's coming out, 
and Donald Trump looks like there's no way out for him. He's going to lose. With the destroying of documents and the blatant evidence that's there, he's got a big problem. With the situations with the Manhattan District and the civil suits with Letitia James, with all that's coming out and the abandonment of the uh, accounting firm, he's virtually got no way out of this fucking thing. He's done. You could stick a fork in him. Now, we know that uh, Donald Trump has big plans, huge plans, about this social media platform that he has been working on. And some people, I think Donald Jr., have been sending out sneak peeks of how this social media platform will look. Big surprise, (laughs) it looks a lot like Twitter. I mean, it's almost stolen Twitter's format. And I suppose they did that because Donald Trump doesn't know how to handle anything but Twitter, so he needs to be as close as he possibly can so he can handle uh, tweeting to the, the, the throngs of people. But here's the problem with Donald Trump's situation. This platform is technically owned by a company that is little more than a shell company, not a real company. This is a company that's collecting money. Donald Trump claims he has $1.5 billion in investors, which is probably a lie because it came out of Donald Trump's mouth. But there's some talk that this money is coming out of China. Whether it is, I don't really care because I don't think the app is ever going to get up and running. There's enough shady shit around this app and the financing of it that the SEC is already investigating. They're already looking at it. And so, since they don't know where the money's coming from, the SEC may say, no, you can't do this. But even if it does come out, get this. Donald Trump is a grifter. He's trying to make money off of everything. Selling hats, selling shirts, selling every fucking thing he can get a hold of. Funny behavior from a guy who claims to be a billionaire. But now this new app that he's got coming, it's called Truth. Ironic, isn't it? But if you want the Truth app, and you happen to be a trump fuck and you want to get uh, Donald Trump's truths as opposed to tweets, you can get the app, but get this. They're going to charge people $4.99 a week, so essentially 20 bucks a month to be on the app. Now, here's the thing. If you know anything about marketing, you don't start an app and then say, you got to pay money to use this app, an app that's been unproven, that nobody's going to yet, and far fewer will go to because of that price. They should be doing it for free, just like Twitter does, just like TikTok does. That would be the smart thing, and then try to monetize it after you have a large audience. But no, they're getting greedy, so they're being stupid. And they're going to make these dumb trump fucks pay $4.99 a week to be able to listen to Donald Trump's quasi-tweets. It's not going to work. If for some reason the SEC says, go ahead, you're fine, the whole thing's going to fucking fail because it's ridiculous. Whoever put this together doesn't know what they're doing. The uh, platform they're using is just a platform that's out there on the Internet that anybody can use for free. So if they've got a billion dollars in investments, why wouldn't they build their own platform? Why would they go the cheap, easy way, the less effective way? Seems weird, doesn't it? I don't think he has a billion dollars or that much investment at all. To build his own platform, that would be pretty costly. But with a billion bucks, I bet you could do it. Somehow they'd have decided not to do it. Now, this app is called Truth, and they swear that nothing will be censored on Truth. Apparently, you can say whatever the fuck you want, whether it's true or not, and they won't censor you. However, if you look at the rules, it's kind of interesting. They do reserve the right to throw people off the app for doing things they don't like, like TikTok or Twitter might be able to do. But apparently, in the rules, it says, 
if you go after Donald Trump, if you start uh, spewing negative things, they could and probably would throw you off the off the app. So they're all against censorship up to a point. If you start talking shit about Donald Trump, which I think a lot of people will do, that's what uh, the Democrats and the liberals do. Anytime Donald Trump tries to do something on the Internet, they all gang up and destroy it for him. So I suspect if it ever gets out of the SEC's hands, the Democrats, the liberals, will tear it down bit by bit by inundating it with... uh, with uh, people getting the application. I'm sure people will pay the $4.99 just to fucking tear it down. (laughs) Donald Trump thinks he's going to compete with Twitter. If everything went perfectly, the likelihood of him competing with Twitter is absolutely fucking mindless. It's not going to work. It's not going to happen in my mind. I think the SEC will see exactly the shadiness of this app and how the money was gathered and how they've lied about the money, and where this money is coming from and going to. (laughs) Like I've said before, Donald Trump, let him just open up his mouth or touch something, and he will somehow fuck it up. He always fucks it up. Now, the House Select Committee has asked for the White House visitor logs for leading up to and during January 6th. These are logs that tell uh, who came to the White House and where did they go, to the Oval Office, whatever. These logs will show everybody that went, came and went to the White House. Well, now, of course, Donald Trump is all upset about this because he claims he has executive privilege. But wait a minute. Didn't we just go through that? Didn't he just go to a federal court? Didn't he just go to an appellate court? even to the Supreme Court, and they all said, Donnie, you got fucking nothing here. No, you lose. I mean, suppose it's possible that with these visitor logs, he can go back to court and go through the process, but the courts have to be pretty tired about this. I mean, they went pretty fast through the system, unusually fast through the system, because it was such a stupid claim. Now, if Donnie Trump steps up and has to do it again, you think these judges are going to be patient? Fuck no, this is going to fly through the courts like nobody's business. He can try to delay it, but the delay will only be a short time because those visitor logs will be provided to the House Select Committee. Now, the question, are there any bombshells in this? Well, there could be. You know, you had Mike Flynn coming in, who had been arrested for a felony, maybe Sean Hannity, maybe other crazy-ass people like Roger Stone. The point of this isn't to blow this wide open with these visitor logs. This is just a piece of the puzzle. What they have in terms of information is probably enough to blow Donald Trump out of the water right now with all the people they've talked to and all the documents they've gotten They probably got enough to bury Donald Trump 10 times over. But they want to get all the pieces just to cross-check, to validate whatever they have. So they do want the visitor log. And it'll be interesting to see when they get it. Now, technically, uh, the National Archives is required to get it to Donald Trump or get it to Joe Biden's uh, House Select Committee within 15 days. Now, we know, of course, within 15 days, Donald Trump may file a lawsuit just to slow it down. But I don't think it's going to slow it down much, maybe a couple of weeks, because these courts will be tired of dealing with this bullshit. So the House Select Committee will ultimately get the visitor logs from the White House, and it'll be interesting to see what they get. And again, it's not a huge deal. Most of that information they already have from the texts and what have you. But it's nice to have it there for further verification. And they will get it. And what you have to understand is we're getting bits and pieces right now. That's my design. Oh, that's appalling. This is bad. This isn't bad. And we're getting this information pieces at a time. But what's ultimately we're going to happen 
It's going to be compiled and put together in a story. We'll see parts of it uh, when the House Select Committee does televised hearings, and they're coming pretty soon, probably toward the end of this month, which we're getting close to, or the early part of March. When that starts to happen, shit will get crazy. It'll get very crazy. And you'll start to see more full information, full stories. And then ultimately, in the end, we'll see the full, full story. And it will be so damning, and it will be so damaging to Donald Trump and the Republicans that I don't think anybody understands how bad it will be, but it will be horrific. It'll be absolutely horrific. So we'll wait on the uh, visitor logs, but I'm not too worried about it. They got all the documents from the National Archives in spite of Donald Trump's efforts. They'll get the uh, visitor logs just as easy. I'm just waiting for that time when things start to explode and things start to come out. They told us the televised hearings would be toward the end of February, early part of March. We're about there, so we're going to start to see some shit going down. One other, a couple of other things. You've heard about all these books being banned, ridiculous books being banned. If it had anything to do with racial equality or or LGBTQ, they want to burn them. Here's the ironic thing. They want to burn these books, but these books are now ending up on the bestsellers list. These are books that may have been sitting dormant for years, months, what have you. But now the attention is on them again, and people are making a concerted effort to protest against people wanting to burn books. So they're going out and buying the books. They're spending the 10 or 15 or $20 to buy the books. And now these books are on the bestseller list. Leave it to fucking Republicans. They think they're doing something big and they make it worse for themselves every fucking time. You don't like these books. You don't want people to see them. Well, people in unprecedented numbers are now fucking buying them. Keep burning them and these people will keep buying them. And you'll lose like you always fucking lose. All right, as we're wrapping this up, I wanted to talk about something. Um, You know I do a lot of videos on TikTok, and I like TikTok a lot. I've had good fortune with it. I met a lot of good people. A lot of people that are listening to the podcast came from TikTok, so I have a lot of respect for TikTok. But I watch a lot of TikToks, too. Before I even started doing videos, I spent about two months watching just to get a sense of what people are doing. And to this day, I still do a lot of watching of it. I want to see what people are doing, what kind of people are out there and such. But after watching as much TikTok as I have, I've developed some pet peeves about TikTok. I mean, there's some really good creators out there, people I follow, and there's some really shitty creators. And there's some people that are just despicable, and we'll talk about that in a second. But here are some of my pet peeves on TikTok. Number one, and this is a big one to me, why are there so many overweight, middle-aged men that insist on doing their TikToks with their shirt off? Now, look, I'm 61 years old, not in the best shape. I own a lot of shirts. Why in the fuck would I do a TikTok without a shirt? Do I really think I'm exciting some women out there? No, come on. But I sit here and see these toothless fucking Trumplefucks sitting there pontificating and espousing conspiracy theories, and they insist on doing it without shirts. Look, if you're going on TikTok, say what you want, but put on a fucking shirt for once. Then another group that upsets me, (laughs) And, and the fact is there's a lot of people that do this that I like. I'm not putting them down personally. I just don't understand. Now, I spent a lot of years in radio. So when you're in front of a microphone, you've got to be kind of focused and you've got to be doing what you're supposed to be doing. But I've never understood why there are so many people that do TikToks with a video camera and insist on eating or drinking while they're doing that. What, you couldn't have finished dinner before you did the TikTok? 
or waited till after the TikTok. Somehow you've got to sit there in front of me, try to spew out whatever it is you're trying to spew out in between eating chili or fucking goulash or whatever the fuck you're eating. That makes no sense to me. Don't eat when you're doing TikToks. Focus on doing TikToks. Focus on communications. It doesn't look cool. It looks stupid. It looks unprofessional. Why would you fucking do it? Maybe I'm going too far off the deep end with this, but it bothers me. I don't I don't get it. Then we get the people that come on and they're weeping because commenters on their post have been mean. They've called them names. And they come on crying, looking for some sympathy. Well, look, if I cried every time somebody called me a bad name or said something negative to to me, I'd do nothing but fucking cry. If you do what I do or anything like I do, expect negative comments. And whatever they say doesn't mean anything. If you're going to be on this platform or any kind of media platform, you better get some thick skin. Because no matter how good you are, no matter how nice you are, there's going to be a large crowd of people that don't like you. And some of them are going to be vocal. And some of them are going to be mean. Most of them are going to be stupid. Now, you can choose to fight with these people or be upset about it, but it wastes a bunch of time and it does you absolutely no fucking good. I mean, I went through one post I made and I got rid of probably... A hundred Trumplafucks, all saying nasty things to me. I think the most important skill you can learn if you're going to do something like this or work in the media at all, there's one thing you need to learn, and it's, I don't give a fuck. Somebody thinks they don't like my hair, my teeth, my weight, whatever. I don't give a fuck. They watched my video. I'm happy they did. That goes in my favor. You want to bitch about me? That's fine. But as I've told you before, whenever I run across a Trumplican, I immediately block them. So I intentionally do certain TikToks that I know that are going to annoy the Trumplicans. I might call them out. But all I'm doing when I call them out is doing the TikTok, but know that they're going to come in and make some stupid statement. And let's be honest, every time I run across a Trumplican, they got two, three, ten, twelve fucking followers, no videos. They're stupid as fuck. They can't write the English language. So when I do these TikToks, they come to uh, my posts like moths to a flame. And when I get them to come to my post, Then I can spend an hour or so just blocking every fucking one of them. I don't trust them. I can't argue with them because they don't listen. I'm not going to do that. They're a risk because then they start whining and crying and taking down videos and try to ban your account. So they're a liability. So just block them all. That's what I do. And uh, I get so entertained when... I see what they have to say about me. But people that will come on and say, oh, this guy says I'm fat. Now I'm upset. Now I'm crying. Don't cry. If you put yourself out there like that, you need to expect that. You need to handle it like a grown-up and just fucking get past it. What they think doesn't matter. Block them. Get rid of them. Don't take any of these things to heart. These people don't like what you're saying, and they will come up with anything to make you feel bad. Don't give them the benefit of actually making you feel bad. All I want to do is fucking silence them, and I've been pretty effective with it. Okay, the next thing that is a pet peeve of mine with TikTok, multiple parts. Well, this is going to have five parts to tell the whole story. Look, if you can't tell the whole story in three minutes, maybe it's not a story for fucking TikTok. Maybe what you should do is get a podcast, tell the whole fucking story at once. But that annoys me, especially when some people think, uh, I feel like they're doing it on purpose. They're stretching out each, each segment so they can go to another segment. I mean, I've watched TikToks before where they're going to tell the whole story and they'll go, this is probably going to be two parts. And then when they get down to the last 30 seconds, they could easily wrap this thing up if they wanted to, but they don't. They want to carry you over to another another uh, part, part two. 
and I won't go to part twos. I just won't. When I see somebody do something like that, I get rid of them. I don't want to deal with them. This is all bullshit. You're just trying to troll me and drag me along and get you more views and whatever, and I'm not playing that fucking game. You should be smart enough to put together a presentation that fits within one minute or three minutes. Make the presentation shorter. Do whatever you have to do. I just don't like multiple parts. Now, if there are people out there that do multiple parts, I'm sorry. I don't mean to insult you. All I'm saying is I don't fucking watch them because they annoy me. Because if you're on part one, it would be nice if it's right next, like at the top and right next to the nut part two is right next to it, then it'd be easy. But I end up going through fucking rows and rows and rows of videos trying to find the part two, and I never do. So then it was pointless to watch part one. That fucking annoys me. And that gets me to the next one that annoys me. We see a lot of TikToks out there, and what they try to make us believe is that this is a real scenario. This is reality, but it's just a bunch of fucking bad actors. I hate that. I fucking hate that. Anyway, we're running late here, so uh, we'll wrap things up for the Rational Boomer Podcast. want to thank you for spending the time with me, taking the time to listen to the things I have to say. It amazes me every time I do it, but I appreciate it so much. You have a great day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.